The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. Hello folks, welcome again to Neptune Room. Uh, and this talk is titled Making Dollars and Sense of Free Software Funding's Future. And uh, it will be presented by William Salt Hale, a longtime free software activist and Libre Planet participant. You may see him before. Salt studies technology and society at the University of Washington and uh, is the community director at snowdrift.coop. In this talk, uh, Salt will discuss the state of funding platforms and how we can ensure that uh, the people who create free software can make a living through their uh, incredibly uh, valuable work. Uh, so Salt, uh, it's yours now. All right, thank you very much. Um, yeah, hello, Libre Planet. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I was here for, for last year's first uh, virtual edition, and I've been attending for quite a while in person. I um, hope everyone's staying safe. I look forward to the, the next in, in person. Uh, that said, let me get my slides up. Um, I will say that I like this to be a conversation, uh, not just a me talking to you. And I hope I kind of made that clear. Um, let me slide share. I will be keeping track of IRC during this. So if you have questions, you can pop them in there. Make sure I'm in the right channel. Uh, does everyone see me? See me waving there? I might be in the wrong room. <laughs> could, could you remind me what room I am in? Uh, that's kind of... I'll find it and hopefully I will get answers. All the windows. Neptune. You are now unmuted. Am I Neptune? Ah, I was in Saturn. Room. 
underscore Neptune. You are now muted. All right. Hi, everyone. Here we go. Cool. Excellent. So, okay. What am I talking about here? Well, um, yeah, excellent. Good to see everybody. So, making dollars and cents, free software funding's uh, future. First of all, I'm Salt. Uh, I'm here because I believe in a big and little F, uh, free society, people, planet, generally the future. So this is um, kind of the stuff I've been involved in, and you can find me at AltSalt. Uh, mo most places, AltSalt.net generally has contact uh, for different up-to-date information. Lately, I've been really spending my time on three three large spaces. So academia has, has been um, on and off, and I, I've been in uh, graduate school now for four years. And just a week or two ago, I actually um, defended my master's thesis, and it will be available soon. I'm very excited. I have some findings about uh, protective licenses versus permissive licenses, so copy left versus the more permissive ones. And um, my focus has really been on tech policy, peer production communities, free software, uh, Linux, Scratch, Wikipedia, all the stuff that uh, we all care about. That's why we're here. Academia aside, and um, I am in a PhD program, but I'm not currently in a, I've come to a plateau and I don't know uh, if I will continue right now or later, but um, I also run events and not only run, I also participate in, uh, speak at not just conferences, also conventions, Renaissance fairs, whatnot. But one of the big things I've been involved in and for the last, gosh, I guess, well, we're coming up on nine years is the Seattle Linux conference. And we are, uh, Looking forward to holding it this November, and I'll have some more information about that later. Then the third thing that I've really spent my time with, and uh, have for about five years now, I think, is snowdrift.coop. And snowdrift.coop is a crowd matching platform. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, this is definitely not talk just about snowdrift.coop, but um, that's where a lot of the thoughts of this came about. So we've been in the OSI incubator program and we're graduating. We're also really crossing our fingers for the high priority projects uh, committee's decision because we have applied. Um, and yeah, so without further ado, I wanna first have a few definitions. Um, how do we get to this shared understanding? So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about more than just free software, right? I, I, the talk is about free software, but I'm really interested in, in the commons, uh, public goods. Um, software is just a really good example of it. It's a, it's a knowledge comment and information good. Uh, it has some, some, has some properties that, that make it easily fit into this space. But, you know, what, oops, sorry, 
what is this space? So big thing to that like underlies all of this underpins is the concept of public goods and the commons. And with public goods and the commons, uh, we're talking about economic terms that were started to be outlined in the 1950s, uh, further refined in kind of the 70s, and then in the early 90s, um, late 80s, early 90s, were, were paired with, with this whole internet thing, this idea of actual uh, knowledge commons versus uh, clean air and, and defense and that type of thing. But we kind of need that grounding of what is a public good to, to start. And so public goods have these two properties. Uh, they're non-excludable and they're non-rivalrous. So excludability means that I can put up a blocker. I can say, you, to get in to the club, you have to go through the door, there's a fee. Um, this type of thing. Now, with free software, uh, these blockers are removed. They're, they're, um, they, there are like no barriers to accessing that information. Sure, there are technical barriers, social barriers. There are things that might come up, but there's nothing implicit about uh, software that says you need to go, you need to, the key to unlock it. Not for free software, right? But uh, therein lies where a lot of uh, companies have, have created these things. So the, uh, did I get these backwards? Mm. <laughs> I think I got these backwards. Sorry, that's uh, that's embarrassing. I'm gonna switch this on the fly. Uh, common resources are non-rivalrous, but excludable. Mm. No, common pool resources. Goods are excludable, but on Yeah, okay. Yep, no, I have it. I have it. And of course, what happens when you uh, try to change slides on the fly? There we go. Back to where it was. Okay. Rivalrousness. So, rivalrousness is this idea that uh, two people or more than two people can't be using the same um, same object or the same good at the same time. Now, what that actually looks like, realize that Windows, doing all these toolbars might not be the best. Um, okay, I'm not gonna touch with it right now. So the idea of rivalrousness is uh, often explained in like how best exemplified is like a hat. Like if I'm wearing a hat, you can't be wearing the same hat. Um, software again, it's, it's this idea of, of its bits, ones and zeros. Once created, it can be shared infinitely, it's knowledge. And so 
These things that are non-excludable and non-rivalrous are considered public goods. Common, common pool resources are these goods that do have some rivalrousness, right? Um, unfortunately, water is kind of becoming one of these. Uh, Overfishing fishing populations. Um, these areas that they do require some sustainability, some, some maintenance to, to not become uh, overfished, over, over uh, Texasified. Um, the software project itself, the code, the, the, the knowledge common, that's a public good. That once created, fully shareable. But our ecosystem, our, our free software as a, as a community, that actually kind of, kind of straddles this point. And it, it gets that, you know, if, if we're not able to pay bills to keep the server lights on, if we're not able to um, stop talent from being, being uh, signed away to, to CAAs and CLAs, um, it is gonna, gonna be a hard path forward. So how do we resolve this? How do, like, like, how do we get there? Well, that's, that's for a little bit later. But the other kind of term I wanted to give before we moved away from definitions is, is this thing that, that, um, that I've kind of been thinking about in the same way. It's, it's straddling the common resources and the public goods line. Uh, there, this isn't fully formed, but I, I, I think this is the type of community that is worth sharing. And uh, so I'm going to kind of pose this as a question and see if there are any thoughts. Um, altruism. So we we all uh, we all are here probably for some level of altruism. Right? This idea that that we're we're doing something for the greater good, for not just our own individual needs and such like that. But the concept that I think straddles another line is something that we've been tossing around um, as Mitchell and myself uh, kind of and some more of the center team but is is this concept of practical altruism the practical altruist someone who's definitely altruistic wants to better the world but wants to do it in such a way that they know there's going to be results so I just I wanted to open up the floor briefly um, to, to hear if there's any any responses or thoughts on practical altruism? If there's maybe another area for that divine line. And so I'm watching IRC now, and if there isn't, we'll move on. But this, this idea that it's altruism, but it's altruism with the intention behind it, the intention of making sure we hit a better place in space. Are there any thoughts that, uh, questions people would like to share about that concept before we move forward? A moment to take a, take a sip of my, my, uh, tux tea. 
is at Siegel, we drink uh, tea or teal. All right, well, I'm not seeing uh, chatter right this moment, but um, we can keep moving forward and uh, just keep that, that distinction on your mind as we go. So, history. Uh, where, how do we get to where we are now? Um, this idea of free software um, started in, you know, in the academy. We often find that, that uh, students have more of that flexibility in time or maybe want to scratch, scratch their own itches or, or whatnot so that, one, they're able to collaborate right, in, a, in a free and open way. And then two, that, that we get kind of the, we get the, the downstream of that. So free software became a thing. RMS came up with this great idea of turning the copyright system uh, kind of back on itself as a way to enforce the goods would remain public, that they would remain the com in the commons. And this licensing has then been expanded into things like Creative Commons, right? Um, and all of these are spaces. Uh, but it has a ways to go. And, and there have been areas where it's been kind of reeled back in. Um, that said, public goods funding isn't that new. So one of the big examples of public goods that I, I often try to think through is journalism. Right? The idea of the, the news is a thing that is created and exists and shared, and the news, um, well, it has to get funded. Now, initially, the funding came from whoever could afford that printing press. Whoever had like that amount of initial money, that was the person who's funding everything. And of course, there were license restrictions on even if you had enough money, whether you could get it or not. But those things slowly went away. And we got to the point where you could get your word out, your news to, to the masses and um, were being paid and it was becoming an industry. Uh, at that point, Funding switch kind of slowly, quickly to classi classifieds and advertising. And it became more and more advertising funded, especially when we had the internet, that the uh, classifieds basically became a free thing, so you couldn't get into the news anymore. So with that, who now is in charge of the news? This thing that is public. Well, the advertisers. That's it's a story of um, America and, and above, uh, how our system has been funded for the news. But there are other countries doing it in other ways. Um, a lot of countries, in fact, have state-sponsored news. Now, that does come with a bunch of problems. But one of the problems that it doesn't come with is the idea that something that was public is now being guided by uh, very uh, specific interests. 
Now, the state has, a, of course, plenty of interest, and one of those is to perpetuate the state. So, in that sense, um, you, news agencies aren't able to post certain things. But that doesn't mean they're directed to post things. To advertising, they're actually being directed. And, and that idea that of, of like direct directionality um, is kind of where what I, I, I feel like most public goods funding has somewhat gone. And it, it, it almost went in a, a little bit of a loop there. It was started, if we talk about journalism, in this like very much as a wealthy person's game and there were restrictions. And then it became uh, something that the camp was open to the masses, became accessible. And then the reliance on funding turned it into this thing where it went back to really the, this wealthy whatnot directed things. And the wealthy whatnot directing things is often considered a patronage model, right? You have a patron. And the patron tell like, you're, the work is being done for the patron. And in the case of public goods, really the patron should be the public to some extent. Um, at least that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. All right. So, where are we now? Well, I guess I, I touched on that a little already. We're at this point where you know, the advertising is driving things. Other wealthy funders, other wealthy interests are driving things. And the public doesn't have that much of a say, right? But in free software, that's a little different. In free software, you do have a say. You, you can make changes yourself. You could hire someone to make changes, right? That's that um, relationship with this one very like kind of close example of a public good is something that's a little different than what we have in other areas and spaces. So, as I kind of introduced, we have this problem of of the ecosystem, while, while free software itself may be a public good, the ecosystem is, is to some extent moving towards this, uh, this common resource, this common resource that needs some sustenance, that needs uh, something to become vital and to um, grow and sustain. And we've had these big issues that we're seeing. We're seeing uh, large security uh, vulnerabilities that come from not having enough uh, time or money, you know, having to work other jobs. We're seeing other um, other products and projects that aren't really able to compete. And and I mean, I'm, some are still fine. In fact, more than fine, right? Inkscape, Blender, like we're, we have some we have some huge projects that are being used in professional spaces, but we sure have a lot that aren't. And some of those are lower level libraries, utilities, that type of things, and operating systems. Uh, we have the firmware type level 
we have all these different levels that can be considered together, but what we don't really have is is a way to compete um, towards everything becoming like public, like these things that don't they're they're inherently could be should be public instead are being because of funding models because of things like this pushed aside and turned into club goods, being excludable, excluded. So, before I talk about funding, I assume this is actually maybe another uh, good, good instance, good point to see if there's any, any more thoughts on this space. Um, in the history, I, I wanted to talk about you know, some of the dreams, right? So like in the, some of the dreams, some of the, what we expected or hoped free software would get to, and maybe it has, or maybe it is, or maybe it will, but some of those are, are um, this concept of the cooking pot model. And it's, it's that you know, the stone soup or something, everyone shows up and they put in a little bit of effort. And that little bit of effort can be code, or it can be bug testing, or it can just be saying hello and adding energy. And everyone's putting in, and then everyone gets to take out. But what's different, what's like really amazingly cool about free software and, and things that are public goods, like true public goods, is that taking out doesn't actually diminish the soup. So everyone keeps putting in, it keeps growing, it keeps getting richer, better. That's the dream. But we need to actually be uh, somehow sustaining it and somehow continuing to give. And otherwise, you know, people just throw money at problems. So today, where are we now? What are some issues that you've seen? Some, uh, maybe not directly funding related, but some issues where what's stopping, I guess, free software, what's stopping public goods from, from continuing this growth? I'm posing that one of these things is that people aren't getting enough funding. They're not getting enough to continue giving into it. So while it's not diminishing, it's not growing at the rate at which it can compete. Let's see. Uh, yeah, if there's any questions, ask them, ask them directly to the channel. Uh, I, I do have it open. Got all the monitors. You know. um, let's see, reading some backlog. Um, definitely happy to talk more about that, that terminology. So, uh, so I'll just read some backlog here. Uh, this idea of, of uh, wouldn't altruism have to be effective? I guess uh, the concept there is that if you're just, if you're giving, if you're just like pure, pure altruism, the outcome doesn't really matter. It's not what you're thinking about. You're just giving because the act of giving is the, is, is the goal, like motivation the, is the thing. And whether or not there is impact isn't going to affect whether uh, you're going to give. Um, Let's see. 
little bit. Advertising. Okay, mass surveillance. Um, data collection, silo, uh, this idea of keeping your data in silos, that I, I think is a really good point here. Um, this idea that um, why do we have this, uh, a lot of the troubles we talk about uh, surrounding data and, and who owns it and you know, old gardens and, and social media locking, all these things. A lot of that's because of advertising, right? We've start, we've become an economy that eyes are the things that uh, value a company. And companies are the things that are driving this innovation, this progress. And so addressing that, owning your own data, um, getting people out of the silos, uh, not only helps address uh, surveillance and things like that, it does help address some of these funding things. That's absolutely a really good point. Um, question. Okay, how much, this is a great question. How much difference would a million dollars make? hundred million, a billion. Like, how, how much difference does that make? Yeah, there's thousands of uh, free and lead rate developers. What's, what is the impact of that? And that's, I think, a really good point and good question and uh, where I'm going to start kind of getting, getting a little on um, my bandstand to bandstand. Anyway, a little on uh, what I'd say is currently being done to address this and being thought through. So what are the solutions? Right now, advertising surveillance, unacceptable. Those aren't solutions. But there are some people out there trying some solutions. One thing we saw over the last decade really take off is this idea of crowdfunding. And crowdfunding is uh, not new per se, right? Think about the NPR membership drives. But what's kind of new is that with technology, we have a feedback mechanism. We have a way to say, you know what, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to give to that thing. And enough people come together, give for a thing, becomes reality. Now, that works pretty great for Kickstarter. That works pretty great for Indiegogo. That works pretty great for all of these things. But most of them are one-off, right? Your whole point is to get something to happen. And this has a lot of the issues that we've seen with like bug bounties, right? Yeah, I can give in to say, I want to get that bug fixed, but it doesn't address the concern I have regarding a sustainable, uh, the, the common resource, the common pool resource and how we address that. It just more addresses the, the getting the thing created. So who's addressed the sustainable stuff? Well, there's been a few tries and, uh, the big one that, that people have kind of heard of and has made a pretty good splash in a lot of ways is Indiegogo, or sorry, Patreon. So Patreon, um, Patreon, I know uh, free software developers who are funded from Patreon, and that's awesome. But Patreon, while they do have the subscription, while they do have that, that sort of, sustainable model that we're looking towards, they're 
they are inherently about uh, exclusion to some extent. So while everyone uh, could have the content, right, about a, a video creator, streamer, or something like that, everyone could watch it for free software. Everyone should be able to have the thing immediately. The podcast, why, why withhold it from being released immediately because you want your couple funders to get it days early. That's, that is what Patreon builds. It builds this hierarchical leveling system where some people are paying for more access than others. And that is inherently against uh, the idea of um, excludability, right? You are excluding people. Sure, it works. It absolutely works. But I don't know if it's right. I don't know if I'd say it's ethical or aligned with a lot of what we talk about uh, regarding free software and public goods. Let's see. Checking for more questions. Um, fund allocation. Uh, fund allocation is you know, to that question, how, if I drop a billion dollars, what happens? How do we allocate those funds? So, the idea of fund allocation and the idea of sustainability is the idea that Snowdrift tries to address. And um, it is not a current like system. It's been theory. It's something we've been working on. Um, so, what it is though is hopefully the future, and it's not the only future. And I do want to uh, be very specific about it. So we've been working on this system for a while. We've some of you uh, I know have talked talked with it for some time, and we've refined it. One of the big, like big refinements that we made just recently is that we're basically chopping things uh, down to make it a project that can launch, that can become a reality. Because we've we've been tied up in thinking through things for a long time. And um, when I stop my slideshare, I'll go through and maybe uh, we can walk through some of the pages. But this idea that you can pledge your support. That's such a key idea. But pledging your support without having excludability, without having the hierarchies, right? That is something that, that, that is a requirement for public goods, isn't a requirement for other things, and makes these systems not really work well for public goods. The way to make that work is that you're not pledging specific amounts. You're not asking people to place themselves based on uh, what they feel is correct, what they feel is right. Instead, it's about just making that pledge, making that, that, uh, that, that known. Because if you make that known, and you know that there's enough other people out there who are willing to make those pledges, then everyone can say, well, if they're all out there, yeah, of course I'm willing to help sustain. And so our model does that. Um, there's some details we're working on uh, that, that we've uh, 
I've been going through and around and I'm very excited to share uh, in discussion, but I don't want this to just be a snowdrift talk. We started with that idea of patronage, right? We went to this, this eyeball economy. What Snowdrift is kind of proposing is patronage, but it's patronage with kind of that true democratic nature. Patronage that everyone is a patron of the things that they believe in, the things that they use. Where the public really is deciding to sustain something. And that idea, that idea that everyone uh, who has decided to become a patron of a project or a product or a piece of the public good, allows it for to be public, to, to remain use, usable, to be protected. However, to have those people sustaining it, to have those people kind of holding it up. And that is how resource allocation then applies as well. Sure, the project needs to figure out a lot of the how they're using the resources, but the resources themselves are being directed by the people who feel like that common uh, thing needs to be needs to be um, maintained. So that really works well with a big section of free software, but does not necessarily work well with some of the things that uh, we haven't, like that they kind of touched on earlier, like. Like the Heartbleed, the open SSL stuff. That, yeah, a lot of people use it, but the people using it don't necessarily know that they're using it, and it's a component of other things. Snowdrift, we're really looking at the things that people are interacting directly with. Right? And so that that is the things like, uh, like uh, I don't know, in, presumably, maybe eventually things like Firefox, right? Things like um, Kodi, uh, those, those front ends, like those things we, we wanna address, we wanna help. And we don't just wanna help free software projects. I'd also love to see us working on journalism and research and art, anything that's being released into the commons. But what about those building blocks, right? That foundational stuff. So there's a couple of, uh, I guess back to solutions that are being tried right now, it's sort of the future, right? This idea of going back between the two. I'm really excited about uh, some of the models I've seen coming out of Tidelift. This idea that um, people who are building their systems who are relying on it and currently making quite a bit of money, they should be sustaining and supporting and, and to sustain and support some of those underlying libraries, uh, they're giving into a fund that then funds and helps that. And it's like, well, if you have these thousands of projects that are being used in these other projects and making those connections and and uh, funneling money, like it's it's a different model than what we're doing. It's trying to address a different thing, but it is something that's important and I'm excited to see. GitLab sponsors. I've had a number of people. Uh, approach and ask and question about this and it has it has so the, there's one thing that snowdrift is like trying to do 
that I think is, is almost a requirement with uh, a lot of this stuff. And that's, we're building consensus about which projects need the funding. Maybe, you know, not need in the sense of it's gonna break or break the developer, but need in the sense that there are people who really think this thing should be sustained and supported. that are using it. They think that this newspaper does deserve the extra funding to, to fund their journalists to keep things going, right? This researcher is doing great work, producing great work. That relationship, that patronage model, that's what Snowdrift's been trying to work towards. GitHub, as much as it's, uh, like I applaud their efforts and I'm sure that individual developers are um, starting to make some money and have some sustainability. They are uh, a very big pool and a very noisy crowd. And, um, and they still have a lot of these things where they're not really addressing what public goods funding needs. They're addressing what um, just a way to, to fund. And a way to fund isn't, I think, as interesting as a way to fund and sustain public goods, right? A way to fund and sustain like, the commons. Um, so that's, that's you know, where that goes. So I see a question in IRC, um, and if, if it gets back to a little bit of what I was um, what I was speaking to in regards of like eyeball comedy and things like that. Um, so this is uh, the question from Dark Physics. Uh, according to Bruce uh, Schneier's book, uh, kill, uh, Click Here to Kill Everyone, um, there's this necessity for government involvement uh, of the standards, right? Of the, to, to keep a free, safe, global internet. And that's the tax dollars being used for a global public good. So I guess, uh, and the question is, um, what strategies could, could uh, kind of expand this, right? What strategies could, could get uh, this idea um, beyond security? Because sure, the, <laughs> Uh, tax dollars and, and whatnot, um, security theater is a thing that does get government funding. Um, I think that there are some initiatives. I've seen more of them in Europe than here, but I hope that people are working towards them. That, you know, if it's tax funded, if some of my research has been tax funded, if it's tax funded, it should be open, right? Like, like it is only becoming excludable because um, we've created these publisher models, we've created these other things. If instead we just had the baseline assumption that taxes are public funds, right? That's part of how we pay into them. And it being public funds means that they're publicly licensed. It just, that is the base understanding. Um, then I think that, that like, 
I think that's the correct approach. And I hope that we're looking towards a administration world, whatnot, where that's the type of thing that will be discussed more readily and will be um, hopefully on the table. Because having, having profit-driven governments, I don't think is the uh, sustainable approach. Um, let's see. Okay. So I don't see any other major questions at this moment. Um, so beyond the future, a couple of these projects that I've been looking at, I just, I want to say that in a broader kind of space, kind of where I, where I started thinking about um, free software and where a lot of these things have come in, I mentioned academia, people having free time, available time, willing to, to give their time and energy to make this future present and past that we've lived in. That time is invaluable. And one of the reasons I got into kind of studying this as a academic nature and studying this as just a community person, that I thought free software was so interesting, that, that all of this, I mean, yeah, sure, I don't like paying extra money, but I have this world that I somewhat envision. And I don't know, there's a lot of ways that we might get to it. I know some people have talked about the singularity, some people have talked about this or that. But I, I don't think that talking about 8%, 10%, 12% unemployment is a thing that that is as interesting as talking about 60%, 70%, 80% unemployment. And we're in a very interesting time for the history of our lives where the COVID-19 pandemic has been taking place and we've seen those types of level unemployment. And yeah, it's been a huge struggle for many reasons. A lot of those are socially because of not having a, uh, some of our patterns, some of our things like that. But we haven't seen the collapse that, that some people would suggest would be seen if everyone stopped working or like large portions stopped working. So I'm very interested in what it looks like when we're not forcing people to work and whether that means people do support and create these public goods. They're giving freely. And that area, that thought, is what has motivated, I think, a lot of my time in the free software movement, the free software communities. And so I don't know if it's going to be, um, it's going to be, well, the term is uh, eluding me right now. Um, whether people are just going to be getting paychecks for their basic needs, 
um, universal basic income. Okay. Um, or what bottle? But I'm sure happy to see see at least some movement and recognition that that is a world that we might want to consider. Because that's the world I think that these sorts of funding models where things are getting supported, like individuals are supporting things versus being, being forwarded by other interests. These are the types of things that I think will really allow us to live in that future world. And so, um, not quite done because I know there are uh, some comments and I'm looking forward to uh, responding to them in IRC. But in terms of my slide deck, I will say thank you everyone. And I will say uh, special thanks to the people who made these, uh, these slide templates. Uh, one of my students recently introduced me to them and I'm really, really quite excited about them because uh, this, you know, website, whatnot, yeah, there's some freemium things, but they, like, their credit page didn't have the CC stuff. I added that because I looked into it and I'm like, why, was the special thanks? Was this, it's because they release everything by CC by. It's not CC by SA, but it is CC by, and that's really neat that, like, without knowing it, these students are using these commons goods. You are now on And that, you know, these licenses that we've created are, uh, Oh, we're out of time. Oh, I didn't even realize. So last announcement, I I guess I didn't see. Oh, I you were talking in a chat window that I did not have open. That is my bad. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming. Siegel uh, dates will be announced more widely soon, uh, November 5th and 6th. And uh, any questions? Don't have time, but I will be in our seat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And sorry about uh running over there, that is my bad. So um, I'm available for future things everywhere.